Well, it's odd to not be celebrating today, Easter Day, with you in person. I certainly wish that I was. It would be a great help to me if I could share all the chocolate that I'm eating uh, with you instead. Uh, amongst all the challenges of this time, one of the ones I've had is just the sense of being a bit bombarded by information. I'm sorry, I hope to not add to that today. You know, we've got all these messages right now, so many messages, messages appealing to our instincts, to our emotions. Modern advertising is based on the idea that we're driven by two root emotions. I want and I fear. Now let's take I fear. What are you afraid of right now? Jago spoke recently about the hospice, about how we sort of keep death out of sight and out of mind. But now it's been brought front and centre. It's like the sword of Damocles is hanging right there, or the Grim Reaper is beside us. The cultural anthropologist Ernst Becker argued that everything that everyone does, the goals we set, our passions, our hobbies, what we do is, in essence, a coping strategy. Things to focus on so that we don't have to worry about our eventual death. Now, death is real, however. We can't avoid it and pretend that it's not there. You know, no one gets out of here alive. And some of us will be feeling that more acutely than others right now. Maybe you think you're not so much driven by what you fear, but what you want. You know, you just want a break. You want life to return to normal. But maybe it's more of a pull factor than that. Maybe you'd like a closer relationship with Jesus, or to know him in the first place. But maybe your trust in him, or your potential trust in him, has been tested to the very limit. I wonder if you can relate to the first people at the tomb that very first Easter. You know, a church that was scattered and scared. And maybe you feel like Mary. You know, she doesn't understand what is going on. Have a look there in verse 1. John writes, while it was still dark. You know, things feel dark at the moment, don't they? It's confusing. We're not clear on things. You know, Mary's essentially asking, you know, why is this happening? We read there in verse 11 that she stood outside the tomb crying. You know, she's wailing. Why? Well, well the tomb is empty and so is her heart. You know, not only has her friend Jesus died, she's seen Jesus' body go dead and cold with her own eyes. She's seen him being buried in the tomb. She thinks his body has also been stolen. You know, her, her hopes have been literally dead and buried. Jesus has been dead and buried. I mean, Jesus has, was really dead. You know, this is the grief cycle. And so she, she stops at a distance. She's almost emotionally too fragile to go any further on the journey. And maybe you don't know if you've even got the emotional strength to take another step towards intimacy with Jesus. Well, if you can relate to Mary, I want to encourage you because before John 20 is over, Mary encounters the risen Jesus. Or maybe you can relate to John. You know, we can tell that he wrote this gospel because... Not once, but twice, he says that he reached the tomb first. And he also describes himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. You know, John, he was loyal. He was faithful. He was the only male disciple at the foot of the cross. 
But was it all for nothing? You know, is the old saying true that good guys, they, they just don't win? And yes, he gets there first. But when he gets there, when he gets to the tomb, he hesitates, he, he hangs back. You know, sometimes we can be a bit stop-start in our faith. You know, can I bear to take just one more step of faith and face another disappointment? You know, maybe you've kept being faithful, you've kept holding on. But if you're honest, life isn't a catalogue of victories right now. You know, recently, it's just one disappointment after another. You don't know if you can face another unanswered prayer, another disappointment. Well, if you feel like John, then I want to encourage you, because before John 20 is over, John encounters the risen Jesus. Or maybe you connect with Peter. And Peter, he charges right in there because he is being spurred on by guilt and by shame. You know, he wants just one more shot at redemption. You know, I mean, Peter, he, he really loved Jesus. And Jesus has called him the rock upon which he'd build his church. But if Peter is a rock, well, he's crumbled. I mean, he denied Jesus. When it really mattered, Peter, he couldn't walk the talk. He'd failed. And if you know what it is to be spurred on by guilt and shame, as exhausting as that is, well, I want to encourage you because before John 20 is over, Peter encounters the risen Jesus. For each one of us, the resurrection is personal. It's personal. It's not an abstract, nice idea or nebulous thing to reflect on once a year. Have a look there in verse 16. Jesus says, Mary. You know, psychologists, they tell us that we love hearing our own name. But Jesus here, he's not just getting her attention. This is something far deeper than that. This is about her very identity. You know, this is also personal for Thomas. Have a look there in verse 28. Thomas says to Jesus, my Lord and my God, the penny finally drops. And then back in verse 13, Mary says, they have taken my Lord away. And then in verse 17, Jesus says, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. You know, at the resurrection, Jesus, he ties his identity to yours. Is Jesus your Lord? Is Jesus' father your father? Because that's the invitation here. Maybe you're like Thomas. You know, you want to investigate the evidence. Well, you're in good company. The resurrection is the most investigated event in human history. Maybe you want to get closer to Jesus and explore. Well, can I encourage you to come on Alpha online? How else is the resurrection personal for us? Well, it's personal because of the cross. You know, when Jesus came and he appeared to the disciples, read there and have a look there in verse 19 and 20. He showed them his hands and his side. You see there in verse 20, he showed his hands and his side. The disciples, they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. You know, the disciples, they were, they were grieving. The cross was the very source of their grief. 
But the very thing that they had been so traumatised by actually became their home. Now, the cross looked like a defeat, but the resurrection was actually the manifestation of a victory because everything Jesus had been saying was true. You know, he had to die, to die the death that we deserved because of our sin. And Jesus, his scars are there to show us that the work of undoing our mess, that work, it it is finished. And this is the antidote to the fear of death. This is the antidote to guilt. Now, there is nothing that you and I need to do other than to believe. When I was little, I actually was little, I was much shorter once, I, I burnt my hands on a wood burning stove. And as long as I can remember, I've had these scars on my hands. Now, when I was at school, kids wouldn't want to hold my hands. And right now, obviously, we're afraid of uh, being close to each other. But, you know, I learned to hide my scars very quickly. So I was staggered when I found out that Jesus actually, he kept on to his scars. You know, I mean, Jesus, he defeated death. Surely a little cosmic, cosmetic surgery wouldn't go astray. But not only has Jesus kept his scars, he invites us to to see them and to touch them. And Jesus, he is not ashamed of his scars. They are marks of hope. They are proof of his commitment to you. And just like he spoke to Mary, he speaks to you by name. He calls you by name and he has engraved your name on his hands. The resurrection is the indelible mark of Jesus on your life. So the cross and the resurrection are not only personal, but also powerful. Because if you attach your life to Jesus, his death is your death and his life is your life. And to a world that has attached itself to the fear of death, Jesus says, peace be with you. Stop doubting and believe. In verse 29, Jesus told them, because you have, he told Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. At the moment, it might be difficult for us to see hope. And we can't see the coronavirus right now, but boy, do we believe in it. But Jesus says that we who do not see but believe in him, We are even more blessed than the people who had front row seats to the resurrection. You know, this is not just intellectually believing that something happened, but it's trust. It's letting Jesus take the the full weight and the full force of your life. It's placing all your eggs, all your Easter eggs in Jesus's basket. It's saying, Jesus, you have paid the price for all the wrongdoing in my life. And I trust you to get me to the other side. If you look there in all the way down in verse 31, John writes there, but these things are written that you may believe, that you may trust, that you may believe and put your hope in that Jesus is the Messiah, the the saviour, the son of God. And that by believing. So what's the purpose here? That you may have life in his name. So the resurrection is personal. It's powerful. And the resurrection is purposeful. 
Have a look there in verse 21 again. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus, he gives us the same Holy Spirit, the same power that raised him from the grave. He gives to you and to me. And not just for any old reason, but it's so that we might live for all eternity. And that eternal life begins right now. He says there in verse 21 that he is sending us. You know, we might be stuck in our homes right now. So what does that mean? Well, in verse 15, before uh, Mary, before she figures out who Jesus is, you know, John writes there that Mary thought that Jesus was the gardener. If you think back to the Garden of Eden, the scene where we decided to turn away from God and say, God, you are not my Lord and you are not my God. Living life our way rather than his way and rather than in relationship with him. Well, the stone wasn't rolled away to let Jesus out, but to let you and me in. Back in, back to the garden of closeness with God. So today and every day we can see what God has done and join ourselves to Jesus Christ. Now Jesus, he doesn't just have the, the calloused hands of a gardener or a carpenter, but the scarred hands of a saviour. He is redeeming and recreating. Jesus is making you and me new and he is making all things new. So whatever you're feeling entombed by, isolated by, hemmed in by right now, the resurrection means that the worst thing is never the final thing. Jesus, he will take your scars and he will take what was intended for evil and he will turn them for good. Jesus, he will use this time of coronavirus to bring life because with Jesus, the worst thing is never the final thing. You know, what's the worst thing that can happen to you? Death. And that will only put you into the arms of Jesus and make you all you ever wished and ever dreamed and ever dared to be. This is what the world desperately needs to hear right now. So please let's not hang back. Can I urge you today to welcome the risen Jesus who is walking amongst you? He walks amongst us, especially in the place of pain and difficulty. And can I urge you to open yourselves up to receive Jesus's resurrection power? And when we do, he puts us to work. The resurrection is personal, it's powerful and it's purposeful. We get to work. We get to work as we build for an eternity with Jesus Christ. As we build for an eternity that we long for others to share with us and him. You know, what could be a greater purpose than this? The resurrection is personal, it's powerful and it's purposeful. This is the resurrection for you and for me, for Easter day and every day. So what is it that you are believing in, trusting in, hoping in this morning? Because my hope, it doesn't rise and fall on my health or the stock market or whether or not I'm able to see my friends and family. My hope rises on one thing and one thing alone. 
And my hope is in the one who has conquered all my fears, all my failures. He has conquered the consequences of all the mess of my life. He has even conquered death. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And we rise with him. And so to you and to me and to a world that is dying, it's time to rise. Amen. Amen.